that number is somewhere in the 16, 17,000 step count. Just FYI, that's where the number is. That, that is an impressive humble brag. Uh, yeah, sir. I'm not trying to humble brag with that. It's <laughs> like, uh, my intention with that is how important it is to get out. But yes, Jason caught me in a humble brag, which was not the intent. But, uh, no, but just, I know, I'm, I'm I know the producer, Jason, is thrilled that you did that. And that this will probably be the open. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Human Element Cares podcast on modern marketing. Today, I am so excited to have Jason Schulweiss. How'd I do with that? Pretty good? Nailed it. All right. Head of Brand Partnerships and Integrated Marketing at Morning Brew to join us and talk a little bit about coronavirus and its impact on marketing and media. This is another one in our mini-series entitled The Virus. Jason, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to, to see you again, albeit this time virtually. Yeah, yeah. I wish it weren't virtual. I'm trying to get used to doing pods this way, and I can tell you it's not the same. Rob, if anyone can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I love guests that immediately just begin to pander. I, that's fantastic. That makes is me that happy. not the way you're supposed to? I, I no, that's it, how is, you're supposed it to is. It is. Yes. <laughs> in a two or three week period of the you know the greatest significance in my lifetime, in yours as well, I'm sure. What have been the most significant moment or two for you and your business? So I would say, interestingly enough, last Monday, we actually went in to meet with the audio team at Kara. And it was the first time where it felt different from a business perspective in terms of like, it was accepted that you weren't going to shake hands, that you were going to sit like as far apart from the table as possible. Yeah. And we spent the first couple of minutes just collaborating and commiserating around the types of changes that were not yet real but they were palpable. It was sure. like it, there was something coming. Yeah. Another day was last Thursday. That was Morning Brew's first work from home day. That was kind of like another moment. And then this past Monday, which was my birthday and <laughs> one I will never forget, but that was like a more universal first week in this new world, things are changing. And then I think outside of those moments, there have also been larger movements, I think, and shifts and just every little thing from communication and working together, not just inside of Morning Brew, but you know how we work with our brand partners and agency partners and really in the tone of those conversations and the content of those conversations. It's just now like a, that's a, that's a, it's a regular occurrence. It's been a remarkable couple months and an insane couple weeks. Obviously your brand is a media brand deeply aligned with journalism and news What's it like to sort of be in this moment for your brand? We have an incredible responsibility in this moment to our subscribers, our readers, and I think the general public beyond that. And I do think there are a handful of media outlets that are uniquely positioned to speak to what's going on right now in a way that is informative, smart, accurate, and conversational that kind of curates essential news in a digestible way. And I do think we're, you know, at Morning Brewer in that category, but there's such a, an increased, um, I'd say, importance and focus on those types of media and journalism-focused brands. You know, for me personally, I'm not a journalist, but I can speak to it also on the business side that, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about ad-supported media, you know, business on the whole, especially now, and how that compares, contrasts, and really complements other types of businesses, both within our industry and outside of it. It's interesting because there are a lot of challenges that are different, but there's also a lot of commonalities in any kind of you know revenue 
generating role and function. You know, it more broadly has kind of accelerated some thought and action around, I think, revenue diversification for us really within our existing ad offering, but also in new products and services that we want to bring to market that will help brands, agencies, you know, consumers. When you talk to your editorial staff, have you sensed a difference in the way they're approaching it? Or is it sort of a doubling down on the discipline that that sort of is their craft to begin with? It's really a mixture of both. It's like the Venn intersection of those things where the core tenets of what they believe in and practice every day in terms of making sure that everything is accurate and they're writing it in a way that is clear and makes sense. But I think the shift has been on the importance and and gravity of the situation, but also even in like the types of content that we are now talking about on a regular basis, like the team threw together a living your best quarantined life guide. And so like, if you go to morningbrew.com slash WFH, it's like most comprehensive now list of how to best work from home, how to have difficult conversations, how to entertain yourself, like all of those kinds of things from a utility standpoint have been an increased focus just from the content of the content. Is there anything that you've observed in either the media itself or brands or even consumer behavior that is remarkable in the way that they've handled the situation so far? Are there things that stick out in those constituencies? One of my majors was psychology. And so I always, you know, try to take a step back and think through things like this from, from that lens as well. First, like there is no playbook, you know, for this kind of thing. And so it's very interesting, I think, to to see how brands, consumers, and media both react and respond. And I guess react being more things that are based on instinct and response being things that are more kind of planned. Right. From a media perspective, like I was talking about earlier, I think there is a renewed focus on reliable media companies as brands and media being this trusted source of information and news when we start to talk about the big social platforms as as media as well and the role that they play. You know, I do think for us it's about and media companies creating just really good content in a tone that is, I would say like acknowledging of what is going on without being too heavy handed in it, but also making sure that you are addressing it to the point where you're not coming off as call it like, you know, aloof or dismissive of, yeah. you know, something that is affecting everyone. Yeah, and I think that's a real trick, right? I mean, even in this little humble little pod, mm-hmm. you know, producer Jason and I have struggled behind the scenes talking about what the tone should be. I mean, this is a normally pretty lighthearted, you know, jaunty program because, you know, we are not normally curing cancer on this show, right? We're talking about, you know, marketing and media and advertising. But at this time, you know, our tone needs to be a bit different. And so we've been trying to strike that balance without feeling morose without being, you know, heavy-handed didactic without, you know, losing some levity, you know, even in the context of this, it's been a challenge. Absolutely. And I think you're you're doing a great job of it, but it is, you know, very I think incumbent on on everyone to try to meet everyone else, you know, midway where they are. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you you know, you talk about curing cancer and while it's not, you know, the same there are, you know, a lot of brands that are now like actually trying to do what they can to produce goods that can be, you know, used for for good. Like, you know, the, the LVMH example with producing sanitizing gel and, you know, even, you know, less from like a life-saving perspective, but even yeah. from like a necessity perspective, like, you know, there are brands that are 
still producing things that people need and want, you know, in this time. And even outside of like, you know, toilet paper and hand sanitizer, which are, I mean, that's gold, um, you know, right now, but, you know, meal and food delivery services. Critical. Yeah. I mean, even companies that actually help and their value prop is to help consumers from a financial perspective. And if you think about like what's going on with interest rates right now, there is also like an uptick in the need for certain products and services. And it's something that we're seeing now that was also one of those like secondary and tertiary kind of effects of what's going on. Some of those brands are now kind of like trying to even like scale back their messaging and market because there's, they've seen such an influx sure. in demand. Now they're trying to help with fulfillment and customer service. And yep. it's really interesting. It's a multivariate equation. When you think about the big digital platforms, what role do they have to play in this? They have an absolutely massive role to play. I'll try to separate me as a consumer and me as an industry professional. And that's going to end up bleeding together really quickly. I am obsessed with Twitter and was before this, you know, and I think a lot of the platforms have started to step up. My hope is that they would have done so anyway. I think it was probably accelerated by the fact that there was already a microscope on a lot of these bigger platforms because of all the the political challenges that each faced. And so I have seen definitely a stepped up effort to combat misinformation now, especially when it's not democracy is on the line. It's like quite literally people's lives and a lot of people's lives are on the line. And so I have seen a shift in the right direction that makes me happy and, and hopeful that we can kind of continue to move in that direction because you know when I, when I talk about media brands having a responsibility, we do, but the scope of our impact is both limited by our, our means of distribution, sure. but also then increasingly amplified and almost controlled by you know the pipes. The scale of their influence is, is massive. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I share your cautious optimism that they're you know, look, who, who am I to make a judgment, you know, and use the word redemptive, because I think that's a bridge too far. But it's another pivotal moment where they get a chance to prove what they've learned, right? Yes. I agree with you. Early signs are that they are trying really hard, that they do understand it's a moment unlike any other. And that in this, some of the, for lack of a better word, more let the market be the market libertarian tendencies that some of them often display are being mitigated. Absolutely. What kind of questions are you getting from clients? You know, what are those discussions looking like? What are the things they're asking of you right now? I mean, one of the first questions, and it's even how we started, you know, this pod, which is, you know, how are you? Mm. Not that that is not a question that we get all the time. However, I do think that there has been kind of an increased focus on being human and really caring and understanding that we're all in this together. And so, like I, like I said, like I answered you, I said, I, I am good, all things considered. Yeah. And so a lot of the conversations have started that way. And I think it is a nice kind of level setting because you're you're starting from that commiseration, communicative, empathy. collaborative. Yeah. yeah, it's right. Exactly. It's all about empathy. A lot of our clients are also asking us, they're kind of asking us two other things. One is, how are you dealing with this on a whole from like you as your brand and your company? Yep. Are your other clients and other partners like experiencing similar things? And so again, I think it speaks to that empathy and like 
if things are working for someone, like this is not the time to be opportunistic and like hoard good ideas and tactics. Yeah, there's a shared um, learning element to it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's been a nice kind of silver lining component yep. uh, to this. And then a lot of the brands come to us because, well, I guess now with, with our podcast as well, like we are talking direct to consumers on a very regular basis, both like in their ears, in their inboxes and are writing a lot. And so a lot of when it comes to messaging, like we have creatives on staff that are putting in a lot of extra time to make sure that if an advertiser, partner, client does go through and continue to want to advertise and market, that the tone is right. And that like the last thing anyone wants to our point earlier is to come across as, you know, either opportunistic or dismissive or to make too much light of what's going on. Yeah, I think that's right. We're we're obviously getting a, a similar sort of thing around the spirit of communal learning with our client populations and our partner populations. I think that's universal. And then we get a lot of obviously detailed questions around investment and how to shift investment and what are the implications of that. As we go through sort of these rolling shutdowns and work yes. from home is the new normal, what is changing about how your teams are working together? And how often are you sort of bringing your teams together to share? Rob, what what is not changing? <laughs> I know it's all different. It's a, it's a it's a totally new world. I was talking to a dear friend of mine last night, and the end of the conversation was essentially nothing in our remaining lifetimes will ever be the same. It's it's true. When you you have a team that that is you know younger and maybe has not experienced it, it's a kind of like a tough thing to you know to navigate through together. Yep, I think at a high level because everything is changing, it's been acknowledging that and knowing that we're doing the best that we can. And so it's really maintaining a positive outlook and attitude about tackling this together. We are trying to be very smart and reliant on the technology that is available to us. Phone calls, text, Slack, or Microsoft Teams, email. And so for me as a, as a leader in, you know, in our organization is really focusing with communication through the lens of like calm, clarity, consistency, and collaboration. Yep. It's just kind of been like my mantra for these things. And I think it is being well-received because so much of that stuff kind of trickles down and it would be very easy to get to get flustered and to get angry and to be confused. And so, you know, maintaining those levels of, you know, rationality to the best of your ability is like so paramount, you know, right now. And we actually, we did a kind of pop-up Zoom meeting with my team yesterday it was actually it was very nice we we kind of all came to the realization that we miss we miss each other yeah yeah no that <laughs> you know, we, absolutely and not that that should be surprising but it's like you know when when you talk about teams and, and companies as families it's like yeah now that you don't have that you start to think wait maybe there was something to that and that's not just like lip service that that people pay yeah, no, I think it's exactly right. We had a, a little, you know, video happy hour thing the other evening and it was deeply emotional. Like when I hung up the phone, I was I was really moved by how much I missed these people and you know, how significant they are in my life. And look, I'm I'll be 50 years old in July. Like this is not my first rodeo. So it should be well established in my mind exactly what I feel about my coworkers and how important they are and blah, 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 blah. And yet I still found it striking how much emotion there was in it for me. Professional lives occupy such a significant portion of time. And yet we, we still underestimate how socially 
important and emotionally bonded we are to our professional lives. You know, we, we all sort of, you know, get up in the morning and say, ah, this is the job I got to go do. And then I spend all my emotional time on my family and my friends and my free time, whatever. And that's just not true. It's not true at all. We tell ourselves that, but it's not true. And I think, you know, at a moment like this, it sort of can all come to the fore. We share very young populations, urban-based, very young populations living in very small environments. Yes. Have you talked to your teams about that and how to manage that and, you know, the mental health, get out of the house, take a run, you know, breathe actual air? What have you told your teams, you know, how to manage that situation? Because for a lot of them, you know, living alone in 600 square feet or 400 square feet or whatever it is, it's tough. It is. And we try to be as, as proactive as possible, both from like messaging from our founders, Alex and Austin, our head of HR and people ops, Kate, just in, like, in terms of making sure that we are communicating out as well. And we're also very fortunate to have a head of brand, Erica Velasquez Alburn, who like helped us craft a lot of our messaging as well to, to make sure that we are doing so in a way that is very consistent. And you know we're taking into account a lot of call it factors. And so to your point, you know, even when it comes to, you know, outside of communicating how like work from home is going to be from, from this time to this time, make sure to take care of yourself. Like it's been kind of communicated down to the next level. And then, and then to our teams and I have used text and Slack to just like continually check up on people, see how they're doing, no work questions, just like very simple. Like, how are you doing? Like, because we, ha- we can see everyone's calendars. And so, you know, I told them, like, you may see things in my calendar that say, like, take a walk or like <laughs> things like that. And just, just to make sure that those things are scheduled and that, you know, we are very cognizant of what the physical and mental effects of this can be and that we want to be as supportive as possible to our family and our, you know, our team to be doing those kinds of things. Because one of the things that I've found from working remotely consistently now. And I've worked remotely like in smaller pockets, but not for like what feels like, like, uh, (laughs) not like literally forever is that I've started to maybe like lose track of time. I don't know what day it is. And it's like, I've just been sitting in my makeshift office. You cannot see the, the, my makeshift office, but I've got just a beautiful setup of, of boxes supporting my, my multiple screens here. If you're not like thinking about how to think about those things and how to action against them, it's very hard to kind of pull yourself from the new norm. I've done between 16, 17, 18,000 steps each day of this little thing between, you know, walking the dog super early and taking a run in the evening and whatever. I'm a, you know, OCD step person to begin with, but I think I'm trying to arrive at the exact step number that allows me to stay at least moderately mentally sane. Do you have any specific recommendations for brands and marketers? Anything that sort of springs to mind on how they might more effectively handle what's going on? I think it it ties back to something that we touched on a little bit earlier in terms of the whole be human thing and have empathy. If you can provide a product or service, you know, amazing. You've kind of seen some kind of malicious behavior. It's taking advantage of a, a capitalistic system you know, in terms of supply and demand for brands and in terms of thinking through the lens of empathy, if and when you can do good and help, now is that time yep. to do it. And I think a lot of brands have talked a lot, and especially in the last few years, 
about brand purpose and brand promise and a lot of those things. And I think if not now, when I think most brands can and do provide a lot of value, but I think now is the time to be thinking about their relationship with other brands, with their consumers, with their industries, you know, through a lens of help and value and not profits and revenue right now. With a level of what we have called internally human understanding. Yes, that's the perfect way to put it. Yeah. I spoke to Marla Kapowitz, who's the CEO of the 4As on Wednesday. We got into this purpose-based thing a little bit. And Mm. there's no doubt, as you noted, that it's been a huge movement over the past five or six years. And there's a lot of reasons why, right? Like there's the political angle, there's the importance in millennial and Gen Z populations of how much purpose means to those populations Mm -hmm. and how integral it is to the way that they think and act and interact with brands. But I also think as I look back, maybe it was also driven by this, I don't know that it was unspoken, but a sort of undercurrent of a sense that we have lost our way a little bit. We had lost some of what makes us human. We had lost some of the humanness of our interactions. You know, in a world where we are hyper-connected, we're more disconnected than ever. I mean, that is not an original thought, but I think it is something that people have, you know, felt in a palpable way. But when you look at it that way, maybe the brand purpose thing, the movement in brand purpose was a reaction to that. And now here we are in a real live global, right? All 7 billion of us or whatever the number is, are in the same global moment, which is holy hell, what are we going to do? And to some extent, all we have is each other. And yet it's the one thing that we kind of can't have at the moment is each other. (laughs) And that's weird. That is weird. That is a paradox. You know, it's fascinating and depressing, but it's so powerful, I think, Mm -hmm. to be thinking about right now. I think that's a a, a very deep and impactful way of, of thinking and framing that. So you have your crystal ball, right? Did you bring I, it? I, I never leave home without Oh, huh. I know. I was going to say, I never leave home without it, but I'm never leaving home again. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, uh, uh, it does redefine yeah. the old Carl Malden Amex ads, doesn't it? Don't leave home without it. Oh, hell, you're never leaving home again. Oh, man. Where do you anticipate we'll be in a month? as an industry, let's try to narrow it down to that. Where do you think we'll be? I think while things make it worse, I think one thing that we're seeing is the rate of normalization is increasing. Yeah. And so there is a force of, of normalization that is making it, I think, feel not as bad because we're getting used to what this means. So even over the course of like this past week, the both like difficult and reassuring conversations that I've had with my team and our partners have gotten easier. Yep. And that's not because like things things outside are looking better. No. But it's because we're we are all in this together. And a lot of those conversations that we have with our, you know, our brands and our agency partners has been like, okay, if it's not getting better outside. How can we better work together because we're in the same boat? Right. Exactly. Like, what are we going to do? Like, we need to keep moving forward. We need to figure out how to continue to 
do business and provide value to the people that rely on us. And so it has gotten easier and better. But again, that is uh, an all things considered type. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. All right. Last one. We have come up with a closing question. Okay. And it is this. When this whole thing is over or abated or moderated to the extent that we can walk down the street and enter a bar and have a Guinness, what is the one thing that you are most looking forward to? Can I give you three quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So I would say like first, and this is a total non-answer to your question, yeah. is that it is, I think, less of a thing and more of a feeling that I'm looking forward to. And the idea that we'll enjoy pretty much like everything more yeah. and have less anxiety. I think that'll be great across the board. I do miss my teammates, my colleagues, and people. I am an extremely extroverted person. Yeah. <laughs> So these kinds of environments are uh, are interesting, and I, I do I feel very fortunate that my my new coworker is my wife, who I, I love very much. And we we get along, but it's a you know it's 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 fun. <laughs> it's funny to like think. <laughs> it's just funny to think about that. Like you know, now we play every single role in each other's yes. lives, including you know coworkers and colleagues. Yep. I'm just I'm looking forward to I would say the, both the feeling and getting to interact with other people because that that gives me like that gives me so much energy and that like is kind of fuels my life force in a way yeah so those are my final answers those are fantastic yeah look the there's no doubt that in the extrovert handbook because i like you i'm a people human one of the reasons I got in this business to begin with, you know, this is a dark chapter. This is not (laughs) for extroverts, this is not high on the list of things that we want to be doing. You know, I was speaking to somebody yesterday and they said, I just have had meetings all day long, all day long. You know, are meetings increasing? And I think in the short term, the answer is yes. I think it's driven by people like, oh, I I have to connect. You know, I sit here and even just doing email, you're like, you know, there's nobody to make a joke to. There's nobody to, you know, kind of walk down the hall and ask something of. So there is, I think, a very acute sense that people want to, even in basic ways, connect. So yeah, my, my calendar has been crammed yeah. with, with stuff that could have just as easily, in some of those cases, been an email exchange. Yeah. But I think it's driven by, oh man, let me check in. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's nice. And it's just like those one-off things, lunches, virtual happy hours. And by the way, if you do have great jokes that come up, please feel free to just quickly send me a Zoom link and we'll hop on and I will be your your joke audience whenever you would like. I'll close with this because I thought it was so good. There's a woman by the name of Kristen Lemkow who was previously the CMO at JPMorgan Chase. I think she now leads their wealth management group. She's super smart. I've seen her speak at a number of industry events and I, I follow her on Twitter. She's a good follow. Her tweet yesterday or last evening was, I think, really summed this whole point up. When this is done, I'm going to everything. I mean everything. Coachella, Jazz Fest, middle school (laughs) violin concert. To anyone planning anything, count me in. (laughs) I tell you what, she pretty much nailed it on that one. I like it. I agree. Jason, I cannot thank you enough. Thanks so much for doing this. No, Rob, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Best of luck. Yeah, stay safe. We'll talk to you real soon. Sounds good.